And so we're in James chapter 3. This is the chapter in the Bible that speaks in the greatest detail about our speech, about our communication, right? In this day and age, it would be about their speech and about their writing on the scroll. I don't know if graffiti was a big thing in 60 AD, right? 40 AD. But for us, with technology, it grows and grows and grows. Our communication, our speech, our emails, our text, our instant messaging. I don't know how many of you are tagging walls up or anything like that. Man, your graffiti, whatever you're doing. This whole chapter has to do with everything that comes out of us when it has to do with our communication. All of it. Again, chapter 1, it spoke of a mature Christian being patient in trials. We looked at trials and temptations. Chapter 2 was a mature, a mature Christian practices and lives out the word of God. That's where he just hammered down faith without works is dead. You tell me you're a believer. You tell me you're a Christian. Okay, now show me by the word of God through your actions that the Lord has really regenerated you and is doing that work. And now in chapter 3, it tells us the mature Christian controls the tongue or the keyboard or the phone or however you communicate. If you're still doing a... Was it smoke fires, whatever it is, smoke signals? Man, that's you. If it's through your sign language, you're not exempt, right? If you got that special Cuban uh, Chinese language that my parents used to use around me so I wouldn't understand what they were saying, right? You just throw a chi in the middle of every uh, syllable, right? Whatever's coming out of your mouth, whatever's coming out of your actions, a mature believer is able to control it. And like we started off in chapter 1, we should all be striving to be mature believers, right? Nobody has a brand new baby and says, man, I hope they never mature. That's one of the saddest things in life when you find out that your baby can't mature at a normal pace. So now for us as believers, we should all be striving for, Lord, I pray you'd strengthen me and help me to be that mature believer. Let's go to Matthew chapter 15. You could keep your finger or pencil or whatever you want there in James chapter 3, but Matthew chapter 15, Jesus here gives us a great foundation for James chapter 3. Matthew 15, we'll read verse 1 through 11. Matthew 15 verse 1, it says, Then the scribes and Pharisees who were from Jerusalem came to Jesus, saying, Why do your disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they do not wash their hands when they eat bread. He answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me is a gift of God. Then he need not, to honor his father or mother, thus you have made the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. Hypocrites, well did Isaiah prophesy about you, saying, now this is a huge warning for us, these people draw near to me with their mouth, they honor me with their lips, but their heart is far from me, and in vain they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men." Verse 8 and 9, you can think of James chapter 2. Now from verse 10 through 
20, now we can think of James chapter 3. It says, when he had called the multitude to himself, he said to them, hear and understand. Not what goes into the mouth defiles a man, but what comes out of the mouth, this defiles a man. Then his disciples came and said to him, do you know that the Pharisees were offended when they heard this saying? But he answered and said, every plant which my heavenly Father has not planted will be uprooted. Let them alone. They are blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind leads the blind, both of them will fall into a ditch. Then Peter answered and said to him, explain this parable to us. So Jesus said, are you still without understanding? Do you not yet understand that whatever enters the mouth goes into the stomach and is eliminated? But those things which proceed out of the mouth come from the heart and they defile a man. For out of the heart proceed evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornications, thefts, false witnesses, blasphemies. These are the things which defile a man, but to eat with unwashed hands does not defile a man. Again, these Pharisees were wanting to hold the disciples to traditions of washing their hands in the right way and in the right amount of times, letting the water fall down and not up. Lots of tradition, but yet their hearts were evil. And now Jesus warns us, whatever comes out of our mouths... Now we're truly seeing the sin within our lives. You can go back to James chapter 3. James chapter 3 and another truth for us as now we will dive into James chapter 3. Our speech, our communication is the true barometer of our true spiritual self. Our speech our communication is the true barometer of our true spiritual self. Some people think that they're more spiritual because they know all 66 books of the Bible. They can say them forwards and backwards. They even have a little song attached to it. Some people think they're more spiritual because they have the simple terms in the Bible. And now they've created these really big terms for it, right? And they think that they're more spiritual. But truly, the way we speak to people... And especially the way we speak to people that in our minds we think are at a level lower than us, it's going to truly reveal what's going on in my heart. Am I truly like Jesus or am I more like the Pharisees? Whatever comes out of our, right, our keyboard, our phones, our tablets, we're going to really see where we are at spiritually. So let's look at verses 1 through 3. It tells us, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers Knowing that we, he's including himself, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able also to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. So here, the first warning he tells them, he says again, My brethren... Hey, brothers, sisters, be careful. Don't be so quick. Don't be so hasty to become a teacher of God's word. And again, he's coming out of the Jewish culture, which in their synagogues, everyone was given a chance to speak. 
Everyone was able to speak within the synagogue and give their sense and give their ideas and what they believed from the Torah. That's why in James chapter 2, verse 14 through 17, he warns them. He says, hey, what does it profit, my brethren, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can faith save him? If a brother or sister is naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you says to them, depart in peace, be warm and filled, but you do not give them the things which are needed for the body, what does it profit? Thus also by faith itself, if it does not have works, it is dead. Again, he's reminding them of things that have taken place, that people, they're very spiritual, they have very spiritual ideas, but are they able to have spiritual action? Are they able to have spiritual output? Again, part of the warning here for them in verse 1 is that we're going to be held to a higher judgment, a stricter judgment. Teachers of God's word will be held to a higher standard because they're going to have a stricter judgment at the judgment seat of Christ. That's why it's not always fun being the pastor, right? As I'm teaching these things, we're going through 1 Samuel, teaching things, and I'm saying, wow, Lord, help me to get this. Help me to live this out. It's easy to just say things. It's a lot harder to live them out, right? One of the pastors said, it's easy teaching these things if my wife didn't sit in service, if my kids didn't go to church with me. But they see the real me. They see the real me. So now I have to live this out. You see, being a teacher, being a pastor, it's not just about talent or ability. It's not even about natural or spiritual giftings. But it's about a character and a living righteousness before God. Again, you look at David. He was the smallest of all his brothers. He was given the worst job having to tend the sheep. And yet, because of his character, because of his heart before the Lord, that was the man that God chose to be the next king of Israel. In Luke chapter 12, verse 48, we can turn there. Luke chapter 12, verse 48, and then we'll look at John chapter 10 here. The warning to us, don't be so hasty to become a teacher. Luke chapter 12, verse 48, it says, But he who did not know... Yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. Again, family, be careful. There's some people who say, man, I have the gift of teaching. I was born to do this. I was born for this. Be careful. Don't be so hasty to want to become a teacher of the law because then we're held to a higher standard. To whom much is given, much will be required. Even for us sitting here within our church that we're fed the word, the word, the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? We're going to be held to a higher standard because we know the word of God. It hasn't been candy-coated for us. It hasn't been lied about. It hasn't been twisted to fit any specific ideas. We're just being given this ancient truth that is older than us, our country, and anything else. This is the truth of God. Now, James chapter 10, this last idea here of being a teacher or a pastor, what does it truly mean? What should the heartbeat be of a, a pastor, a teacher? 
a youth leader, a youth pastor, a, a kiddos teacher? What should their heartbeat be? John chapter 10, verse 11 through 13. Again, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But a hireling, he who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, he sees the wolf coming and he leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. The hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and I am known by my own. Again, family, to be a shepherd, to be a teacher of God's word means that your primary focus is that you're willing to lay your life down for the sheep. Many people think they're teachers. Few people say, yeah, I was born to lay my life down for the sheep. I just have this gifting, this calling burning inside my soul. I just, I just need to lay my life down for others. Right? Very few people are quick to say that. People are quick to say, hey, I have this talent. I have this gifting. This is the heartbeat of a teacher, of a pastor. It's a person who truly cares for the sheep. And again, the day and age we live in, it's dangerous. I need to pray again, Lord, keep me steady with you. That many pastors today, they're not looking to lay their lives down for the sheep. They're looking for the sheep to lay down their lives for the pastor, right? They're asking for not one Bentley, not two Bentley, not three Bentleys, right? Not one plane, not two plane. That's, it's all about the pastor. And again, we need to be careful wanting and desiring that place because we're going to be held to a stricter judgment and not only are we going to be held to a stricter judgment back to verse 2 again a dose of reality here James chapter 3 verse 2 for we all stumble in many things if anyone does not stumble in word he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body so again, why should we be careful? Why should we not be hasty in becoming a teacher? Because we all stumble. I stumble. I'm not perfect. None of our pastors are perfect. No pastor ever, except for Jesus, is perfect. And now I'm going to be held in judgment for my stumblings. And now stumbling, what does that mean? Is there unconfessed sin? Is he blowing it? No. We're all going to stumble. No believer is perfect. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16. You could just write this one down. It tells us, For a righteous man may fall seven times and rise again, but the wicked shall fall by calamity. You see, family, we're all in a race, and it's a race of endurance. Not only is it a race of endurance, but we know the enemy is doing what? He's shooting fiery darts at us. While we're running a race of endurance, right? This is not fair, Lord. This is tired. This is exhausting. So we're all going to stumble. And now he tells us, he warns us, if anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man able also to bridle the whole body. The perfect man means that he's complete. It means that he's mature. And again, a teacher should be mature in their speech, in their word. That word, word, what it means in the Greek, it means our discourse, the act of speaking, our speech. Which again, plain and simple, 
kids' dictionaries where I like to go to, it's talking between two or more people. If you're talking to anyone, I guess if you're just talking to yourself, you can say whatever you want to say. No, 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 you got to be careful. You got to be careful. Right? But if you're talking to two or more people, you got to be careful with your words. And a mature believer does not stumble in his communication. A mature believer does not stumble in their discourse. That's what a mature believer does. But now we're all going to stumble. I love that one of the pastors says, if you ever fall asleep and all of a sudden you just wake up and you're saying, man, I'm never going to stumble again. I'm never going to stumble in my speech. I'm never going to stumble. He says, you're either in heaven or hell if you're not stumbling anymore. You've either woken up in heaven and you're never going to stumble or you've woken up in hell and then it's a bad news bears, right? But we are all going to stumble. It's a battle that we're going to have for forever. But by our words, we're going to be justified by our communication with anyone, two or more, electronic, fax. Anybody still send faxes? Right? Through whatever means, you're going to be justified. And I'm not the one that says that. Jesus is the one that tells us that in Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 through 37. This will probably be the last scripture we turn to, then I'll just give you the rest for homework. But Matthew chapter 12, what does Jesus have to say about our communication? Matthew chapter 12, verse 34 through 37. I also think it's so interesting. Most of the time when Jesus is speaking with people about their speech and communication... It's usually with the Pharisees. He's usually talking with the Pharisees saying, hey, you gotta, your speech, you got to be careful with your speech. And you got to be careful with really what's going on in your heart. In Matthew chapter 12, verse 33 through 37, it tells us either make the tree good and its fruit good or else make the tree bad and its fruit bad for a tree is known by its fruit. Brood of vipers, how can you, being evil, speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth good things. And an evil man out of the evil treasure brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give account of it in the judgment day. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. Those last two verses are scary, guys. That's a great wallpaper for our phones, right? That's a great verse to have in our Instagram handle, right? A great banner for our Facebook, right? Just put those two verses there. Every idle word that we send out with our fingertips or with our lips is going to be brought forth not only in front of everyone, but in front of Jesus Christ himself. What we say about others behind their back, how we talk to people in front of their face, all of that is going to be shown before the Lord. Right? Maybe you've been watching the hearings and they look, they dig, they comb through every piece of history for someone to be right, a Supreme Court justice. Jesus is going to do the same thing for each and every one of us. And he's way better than any politician or the FBI or the CIA. We're all going to come to the judgment seat of Christ. 
And he's going to say, okay, here's your idle words. For some of us, there's going to be more than others, right? That's why we should say less so there's less uh, problems in the future, right? Every idle word that we say, every idle word that we type out, Jesus is going to judge us by them, family. Why? Because out of the abundance of our heart, our mouth speaks. Our fingers type out of our heart what we truly desire. Again, the barometer of where we are truly at with Jesus Christ is going to be demonstrated in what we speak about and what we're quick to communicate about. Again, our conversations, how quickly do they lead to Jesus? Do they ever lead to Jesus, right? Or is it always about a bunch of other hobbies, a bunch of other vain things? We stumble in words. We all stumble. We all fall short. I'm guilty of this probably more than most. David Guzik, he gives us a quick list of how we stumble in word. He says, first, we stumble in word about ourselves with our boasting, our exaggeration, and our selective reporting. Right? I think as Hispanics in Miami, exaggeration, right, we all do really bad with, right? A sandwich, it's, if you did something at home, right, if you shot an animal, if you caught a fish, it's never the normal size, right? It's always bigger. We had a pachanga, right? How many people came? Like four people, but no, it was like a huge party, man. Whatever the case it may be, this is all stumbling. This is all sin. When we boast about ourselves, right, again, our social media, our communication, whatever we're shooting out there for two or more people, who are we boasting about? Or who are we hoping people boast about, right? Is it about the Lord or is it about us? Our exaggerations, our selective reporting, right? We're not going to talk about the news. You could think about whatever you want to think there. But we're all guilty of it. When we give a story, when we give our testimony, right? It's selective. There's little pieces we want to give out. We don't want to give out the bad parts, the terrible parts, right? You get home from work, right? Your, your spouse gets home from work. You had the day off, and they say, hey, what would you do today, right? There's selective reporting that goes on there. You don't give the full, yeah, I was on my phone for like four hours, but then I did the dishes. What did you just say? I did the dishes. <laughs> right? Selective reporting. We're all, we all do it. We all stumble. But may the Lord do that work within us. Next, we stumble in word about others. About others, and again, family, it's tough, but most sin is done right here. Most of our sin, it's done from our mouth, our hands, and our feet, right? The things we say, the things we do, and the places we go. It all, most of the time, it can lead us into sin. We stumble in our words with our criticisms towards one another. How quick we are to criticize others and how slow we are, right, with that selective reporting. Sometimes we criticize others for being critical of others, right? It's funny how that works. We stumble in word about others with our gossip, our slander, right? Hey, we should really pray for so-and-so. They're struggling with this, 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 and this, and this, this, Right? We got to be careful. Our gossip, our slander. You know what so-and-so did? You know what so-and-so posted? We got to be careful with that. Our cruelty, our two-facedness. Again, how often are we 
quick to say something to someone's face that we would never say behind their back. And then we're quick to say things about people behind their back that we would never say to their face, right? Sometimes we try to butter people up in front of them, yet behind them, throwing daggers. And then the opposite is true when we are behind their back, right? We got to be careful with that. Our anger, how we can say terrible things in our anger. Are we Christ-like, right? And the way we speak, the way we speak about others, our enemies, those people that are mean to us, cruel to us, what is our speech like, right? What are our Google reviews or Yelp reviews like, right? The stars, hey, say the truth, but are you nice about the truth, right? The truth and love. Or we also stumble in word with our flattery, our insincere words meant to gain favor. We just want to say things to people because we really want something behind the curtain. We want access to one of their toys. We want access to their job, their business. We want access to the discounts they get, the connections they have. Got to be careful when networking becomes a part of Christianity and church. Again, people come here to get a break from the world. A break from people trying to abuse them and use them and not care about them. May we not do the same things here. Our speech, again, we got to be careful. Anything that goes out between two or more people, we got to be careful. Now in verse 3 and 4, he gives us a few analogies. A few analogies for us. Again, our mouths, things we type, things we do, got to be so careful with it. A mature believer, they're able to handle it a little bit more than unmature believers, but we should all be striving to be that mature believer. Verse 3 and 4. He tells us, indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Again, the warning that James gives us is, man, again, you take a horse, An animal, hundreds of pounds of pure muscle, right? Pure muscle. And you just put one little piece of leather in their mouth, and you're sitting behind it, and you can take that thing wherever you want it to go. You're able to drive that animal, just pure muscle, wherever you'd like it to go. And now the warning to us is our mouth. Again, our communication, it's going to take us places. Or it's going to keep us from places, right? Our mouths, the things that we say, it's going to take us places or it's going to keep us from places. I think we've all been there, right, with friends, with spouses, with people at work. And there's just one little word, right? And we're going back and forth. I shouldn't say it. I want to say it, right? I know I shouldn't say it, but I want to say it, right? And you say it, and then boom, right? There's your supervisor. And hey, Zach, let's go. Let's have a talk in the office, right? But it was just a little joke, right? I was just reading what I saw somebody else post. It was like this, it was that. And now the whole trajectory of your life, of your job, it can be completely changed because of a few words. Husbands and wives know this, right? Your whole night can be going great. You say one thing and now the whole trajectory of your night, your evening, it has drastically been changed, right? Because of our mouths. Our mouths, our speech, they affect our lives, family. And young people, maybe some of the older people need to be reminded, our electronic mouths, 
they too also affect our lives. For some of us, we think the internet is like this black hole where nothing really matters, right? I can say whatever I want to say and it won't matter. But yet many businesses, before they hire people, what do they do? They look at your social media. They see what's going on. Many schools, before they bring someone in for the scholarship, they look at their social media. All of our lives should be holy before the Lord. We shouldn't have different people, right? We shouldn't be different people our whole lives. So whatever we say, it's going to drive our life one way or the other. Now he tells us in verse 4, look at ships. Even though they're huge and they're driven by fierce winds, they can be turned by a very small rudder wherever the pilot desires. Right? You think of the Titanic, right? It's a giant ship and all because the captain or whoever thought it was a bright idea to keep going straight, went straight. The whole thing sunk. All they had to do was... And that's it. We would have never got in the movie. We would have never got in the story. We would have just known, hey, the Titanic, yeah, it was the first big cruise ship. That's all they had to do. What was that? And so often we put ourselves in bad places and all we had to do was, right, Pastor Raz, zip it. That's all we had to do. All we had to do, right? You're sitting there, you're courting a girl, you're engaged to a guy and something comes up at the conversation table with the in-laws. Zip it, right? You don't have to give your opinion. You don't have to give your point of view on everything. Many times it's going to hinder us where we go. Now when it comes to the Lord, the word, again, you got to pray. You got to be considerate. But everything that comes out of our mouth, whatever we write down with a pen, right? But you'd have kids, they'd get in trouble. Somebody wrote this. Who wrote this, right? All right, Harvey, come here. Your name's on the back of the paper, bro. I know you wrote this, right? You're in trouble, now you got to get the merits. All because Harvey decided to write a mean drawing of the teacher and he decided to put his name next to the drawing, right? Whatever we write, whatever we put on the phone, whatever we put on the tablet, the computer, we need to consider it. We need to think about it. We need to think about these things. I hope you guys will be okay with this analogy. Sometimes we go hunting, sometimes we go shooting, and there's a lot of safety that needs to be involved when you do these things. And there's always the reminder that whenever the bullet leaves that gun, you can never take it back. Can't catch it like they do in the movies. You can't stop it. You can't say, hey, stop there. Don't go forward. And family, the same is true of our speech. The things we do, the things we post, once it goes out there, you can't bring it back. You can't take it back. And there's repercussions for who those words hit. There's repercussions for what happens. There's responsibility that's taken on whoever owns that firearm. Now they're held responsible for whoever that bullet hits. And the same is true for our words. Whatever we say, we are going to be held responsible. And sometimes we can put off being responsible by the people around us. But again, as Jesus told us, every idle word is going to stand before Jesus. And now we can't be making excuses or reasonings. He knows our heart. He sees our motives, our actions. So family, be careful with our words. Once it goes out, we can never take it back. Now verse 5 and 6, it, it tells us again the importance here. The idea in verse 4 and 5 is direction. Our words, it can give people direction. We'll look at a couple of scriptures later on. Our words, it can give people life. 
It can give people direction. It can give people life. It can encourage someone. You can take someone that has had a terrible week and you just compliment them. You tell them you've been thinking about them, praying about them. Hopefully you've actually been thinking about them and praying about them, right? But you give them a word of encouragement and right away they're built up. They're light. Man, they're smiling. But now in the same way, our words, you can tear someone down. You can cut someone Our words, we need to be careful. So, hey, they can direct. They can build someone up. I love rudders on boats, right? I love being on boats. So I I hope they all have rudders, right? And when they take me to the fishing spots, when they take us to the sandbar where there's a grill and barbecue, it's great. When you're driving a horse, you hope it has a, a, a bit and you're able to control it. Those are good things. But now in verse 5 and 6, it warns us, Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. See how great a forest a little fire kindles. And the tongue is a fire. The tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity. The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. And it is set on fire by hell. Right? We've seen the different fires going on during this season, different fires going on for millennia. And it can start with something so small, right? You get a bale of hay, light one match, throw it in there, see what happens. All of a sudden you got a fireball, right? Things are getting out of control. A small fire, a small tiny spark, the things we say, they can cause great destruction. So again, our words, they can give people direction, but our words, they can give people destruction. Our words, they can build someone up, but they can tear someone down, right? When you're in dry season, you should never say, ah, it's just a small fire, just a small campfire. I can just leave it alone. It's just one post. I just want to get one word in, just one sentence. May I have one word with you? Got to be careful. That one word may light the forest fire that you had never thought imaginable. We've all been there with our parents, right? We've been quiet. We've been biting our tongue. And the speech is about to be over. Whether you deserved it or not, the huge parental speech is about to be over. But then you decide to put one word in, right? And what happens? Smokey the bear runs out of the room, right? Because the whole force, you get the whole, the speech just doubled and tripled because you decided to say two or three words. Same is true with spouses, right? Everything's going great. You're keeping your humble pie. You stay quiet. And there's one word, right? Boom. Whole thing explodes. Call the fire department. Call 911. Our words, they have lots of impact, family. Just one word, just one post, it can cause so much harm. Our words, got to be careful. A couple of scriptures. You can turn there if you're quick. They're all in Psalms and Proverbs. Psalms chapter 42. And again, it's incredible. All throughout Psalms and Proverbs, it's all about speech. Most of the things that you talk about with your little ones of what they should do and not do, it has to do with their speech, right? Eso no se dice, right? You're telling your little kids that a thousand times, a million times over. Trying to control that little rudder so that they don't wreck their own lives. Psalm chapter 42, verse 10. 
As with a breaking of my bones, my enemies reproach me while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you disquieted within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Again, David, a warrior. And yet he says, man, the speech of my enemies, it's like a, a sharp sword. It breaks my own bones. We've all lied to ourselves, right? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me, right? But then we grow up and, man, our dad said one little thing. Or our mom said one little thing. That teacher, that professor had that one comment. That boy or girl we like, they said one thing and it's, Right? A sword through your chest. What just happened? Got to be careful with our words. Psalm 52, verse 2. We'll look at verse 1 through 3. It tells us, Psalm 52, Why do you boast in evil, O mighty man? The goodness of God endures continually. Your tongue devises destruction like a sharp razor working deceitfully. You love evil more than good. Lying rather than speaking righteousness. Again, he likens their words to a sharp razor. Got to be so careful with our words. Finally, Psalm, uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 through 21. Again, the evil, the destruction that our words, our mouths, our posts are capable of. Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19 through 21. Again, here warns us, in the multitude of words... Sin is not lacking, but he who restrains his lips is wise. The tongue of the righteous is choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for lack of wisdom. Again, family, where does your tongue sit here, right? Within these two groups of people. Is there a lot or is there a little? Are you giving life to many or is there just death and destruction everywhere around you, right? Got to look in the mirror, the mirror of God's word. It's going to reveal who you are. Are you the wise man or are you the fool? Spraying and praying or are you slow to speak, right? Quick to listen and slow to speak. We can all grow in wisdom there. But our words, they can also have great blessing, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 25, anxiety in the heart of man causes depression, but a good word makes it glad. Again, when was the last time you spoke life into someone? You brought gladness into someone's life simply by your words. You built someone up, not because you wanted something from them, but because you care about them. That shepherd that is willing to lay down his life for the sheep. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 21 through 25. The wise in heart will be called prudent. And sweetness of the lips increases learning. Understanding is a wellspring of life to him who has it. But the correction of fools is folly. The heart of the wise teaches his mouth and adds learning to his lips. Pleasant words are like a honeycomb, sweetness to the soul and health to the bones. 
There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way of death. Again, family, our mouths, our hearts, are they adding sweetness to the soul? Are we adding health to the bones of the people around us? I've been a dad not for too long, but I see the way my speech affects my kids. It can tear them down in one moment. It can build them up in the next. I need to be so careful in what I say and what I don't say to my kids. Same is true with our spouses, our family, our church family. We got to be careful with the things that we say and be quick to build up others. To give that sweetness of the soul, that health to the bones. But that can only be found in God's word. That can only be found if we're feeding upon God's word. Again, it's not what goes into a man that defiles him. It's what comes out. But what's going to come out? Only what's inside, right? That's the only thing that's going to come out from inside. One of my greatest fears. It's kind of a weird one. I don't have that many fears. My parents, they were great. They believed fear. Most of it's taught. There's a few fears like not wanting to die, right? So different things like that. But one of my greatest fears is eating a lot and then getting in a really bad car accident. I don't know what's going to happen with the seatbelt. I don't want the airbag to hit me with what comes out of me. I don't know. It's one of my greatest fears. (laughs) But whatever's inside at that moment... Everybody's going to see you. I'm going to see it. Paramedics are going to see it. Everyone's going to see it. And again, whatever we're feeding on in great moments of trial, in great moments of destruction, not only are you going to see it, but everyone around you is going to see it. When you stub your toe in the middle of the night, you're going to see what you've been feeding on. Hallelujah. Praise you, Jesus, right? (laughs) Middle of the night or a few words you don't want your kids saying. Sometimes our kids say things and, oh my goodness, I'm going to put you on timeout, a spanking. How dare you say that word? Where'd you learn that word, right? I learned it from you, Dad. You say it all the time. You say it to me all the time. When you're driving in Miami, all the drivers, that's their name, right? (laughs) That's all the names of the drivers in Miami. Man, whatever is inside, that's what's going to come out. And whatever comes out, that is what defiles us. Such a great warning for us. Proverbs 18 verse 21. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Again family. Power. Life and death. They all reside within our mouth. We can bring life to someone. Or we can bring death to someone. We need to be so careful with it. We go back to James chapter 3. Verse 7 and 8, it tells us, For every kind of beast and bird of reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind. But no man can tame the tongue. It is an unruly evil full of deadly poison. We might say amen, right? I don't got to change anything. God's word just told me I can't do it. It's impossible. So why do I got to even try, Zach? I'm going to let that poison out, right? Hopefully that's not where you're at. Chuck Smith, he said, Only God can tame our tongues as we submit to the control of the Holy Spirit. Again, many things just left to their own natural devices in our fallen world, they don't lead to order, they lead to disorder. 
You don't cut your grass for a month, for two months, to three months. Does it look beautiful? Does it look nice? No. When we leave things to their own natural devices, it becomes more evil. It becomes more unruly. It becomes more deadly. So that's why we need to submit to the Lord and say, God, would you change me? Would you change me from the inside out? Lord, I want to read in your word. I want to be taking in your word so that when I'm in those difficult times, it's words of life that come out and not harsh words of death. Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, you could just write it down. Jesus, he looked at them. Again, he's speaking about the rich young ruler, but he says to them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. There's lots of testimonies, myself included, of people who before Christ had terrible mouths, terrible language. I was there, but say bad words just for the fun of it, just to see people's reactions. The moment I gave my life wholly to the Lord, that struggle just went away. It just went away. Now sometimes I get mad, I get angry, I stub my toe. No, that Zach's dead. That Zach's dead, right? That Zach's long gone. But it's not just flowing out. Again, the Lord can do that work in you. Man, I, I just struggle with gossip. Man, I'm a, I'm a Cuban. I just can't help but exaggerating about everything, right? The Lord, he can do it. The Lord can change your mouth. He can change your tongue. He can change the way you speak to your kids, change the way you speak to your spouse. Again, do you tell people that you love them? Are you too afraid to say that to someone? But you're quick to gossip, quick to talk garbage about someone, but there's too much fear held up inside. You're too manly, too tough to tell someone, hey, I love you. You got to be careful. Something doesn't seem right there. Right? That the Lord will transform us from the inside out. Verse 9 through 12. Now James, again, he tells us the power, the capabilities that are held within our tongues. Verse 9 through 12. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. Again, family, our mouths should just be like the rest of our lives for the glory of God. Everything we say should say, Lord, this is for your glory. Everything I post, Lord, this is for your glory. Everything I write down, Lord, this is for your glory. The emails we send, whatever we are communicating with one person or more, Lord, this is for your glory. That's the mindset we should have. And I think we've all been tested with it, right? You come out of a teaching, the Lord has worked in your heart, you're in the parking lot, you're waiting for someone. You think about it, but you're like, ah, everything's good, everything's fine, right? But now tomorrow, on your, on your way to work, kids aren't waking up because, man, you came to church on Wednesday night and now you're in a hurry and the struggle is are coming, right? Out of your mouth, you're wanting to proceed with curses, with bulldozers, with all sorts of things, Right? You're driving, going super fast in the right lane, and someone cuts you off and starts going five miles an hour, right? Just love that in Miami. Put your turning signal on. They're like four car lengths behind you. What do they do? They just floor it, right? Ah, I love you. Jesus loves you, right? But no, we struggle. 
out of our mouth, right? When we get out of church, are we right away getting in fights with our spouses, speaking down to our kids? We're all there. Say, Lord, again, help me that, man, everything that proceeds out of my mouth, Lord, may it be a blessing. Lord, may it be for your glory. May I not curse men because men are made in the image of God. we got to be careful with these things. And just three practical things to consider before you speak, before you post, before you write, before you text. Three things to consider. This is basic, easy things. The first thing is, is it true? Is it true? And in the day and age we live in, got to really define truth. If you're here and you say you're a Christian... You guys have heard me say this. If you're here and you say that you're going to heaven when you die, truth is held within this book. If you're a Christian, if you're going to heaven when you die, all truth is held within this book. That's the truth. So again, things to consider before we speak. Is it true? Is what I'm saying true? Is this actually what happened? Am I giving selective facts, right? Am I making a big fish story out of this little minnow that I caught, right? Is it true? Second thing, is it kind? Is it kind? Sometimes we're quick to give the truth, but we forgot the whole love part, right? I just want to give the truth. And again, Pastor Ress says sometimes you could be right, but you could be dead right, right? You could tell your kids how right you are, your spouse how right you are, your boss how right you are. But now your business is dead. Your job just died. Your marriage just took a step back because, man, it wasn't kind. It wasn't loving. And number three, I think this is where we all struggle, is it necessary? Is it necessary? Maybe true, maybe kind, but is it necessary? Everybody says a microwave mentality, but how many things do you do online that actually take a minute, right? How many things do you do on your phone that actually take a minute? I don't know how much food you could warm up in less than a minute, right? But how quick do we do things? How quick can we send out communication? And yet we think it's necessary. I have to say this. I thought it was funny. I have to tell everyone, right? I agree with this. I have to say it, right? Is it necessary? Is it necessary? Think of the Lord. Is this really necessary for me to say? No, Lord, I don't think so. I think the world will just go on by completely fine without me saying this, right? I think everything's going to be okay if I don't say this, right? Got to pray, Lord, is this true? Is this kind? Is this necessary? Again, are we supposed to become monks and now take a vow of silence? No, not at all. Not at all. We should be worshiping the Lord. We should be building up the body of Christ. Again, what a bummer to go to church and now nobody's allowed to speak. That'd be a bummer, right? Man, we should be speaking, worshiping the Lord and encouraging one another. I'll encourage you with this. I was talking with Joey earlier on, talking about social media. It's just a tool. It's a tool, a very specific tool. I was listening to uh, Calvary Philly. They're young adults. They have a podcast. Really good on social media. If you're on social media, you should listen to it. If you have kids on social media, you should listen to it. Really pray if they should be on social media. But social media is just a tool. Just like a circular saw, it's a tool. And a circular saw, it's a good tool, but only if you're cutting in a straight line. And if the circular saw goes down, right, it's good. But it's not good for like a thousand other things. You got to drive nails in, if you got to drive screws in, if you need a table saw, if you need a jigsaw, if you need all right, a whole bunch of other saws, you're going to get a really messy and dangerous job if you try to use a circular saw. Same is true with social media. 
It's a good tool, but it's good for a very few specific purposes. Politics, I don't know how many people really change their point of view because of what they saw on the social media. Again, you pray, you follow the Lord. But all this to say, this is my challenge, right? Get back to you. My opinion. You could write this off if you want. This isn't biblical. If you see something you disagree with, if you think there's a huge epidemic within Christianity that people are saying, don't just repost something. I challenge you, take a video of yourself and say the truth of what you believe in. Take a video of yourself giving the biblical truths of what you believe in and why you believe it. Don't be just so quick to repost things because you don't know who's behind it. You don't know what they're saying. Lots of times you don't even know if it's true or not. It's probably going to even get flagged in some cases, right? But now if you sit down and say, okay, Lord, is this true? Is this kind? Is this necessary? Okay, Lord, I want to sit down. I want to pray about this. I want to take this in. Lord, I want to meditate on your word. And now, Lord, I want to bring life to the people around me. I don't want to bring death. I don't want to bring the same thing that everybody has around there. No, Lord, I'm willing to put my face on what I'm about to say. And that's the truth of social media. I used to play video games a long time ago. And we would call people e-thugs, electronic thugs. Because when you're behind the keyboard, when you're behind the screen, you can say all sorts of things. All sorts of atrocities to another human being that's made in the image of God. But when you sit in front of someone, again, hopefully, hopefully, Lord willing, you look at them and, and you see yourself. See your mom, see your parents, see your kids. Say, man, I can't just say it like I would type it out. Or the meme that I want to throw at them. I can't do this. Lord, let me pray this through. Let me say this through. You know what, Lord? Your Holy Spirit, their face. I probably shouldn't say this, Lord. Hey, let's just pray. Let's just go out to eat. Let's get a frosty, right? So pray about these things. Our mouths, our fingertips, they're capable of great things, building up people, right? You think of Billy Graham and what the Lord was able to do with Billy Graham's mouth. The people that are saved because he spoke forth the truth of God's word. We're all capable of that, right? But now you think of Hitler, think of Marx, right? Think of lots of evil people and the evil that came out of their mouths and how it brought forth death. All the power is there. We have an incredible tool that the Lord has built up. And again, it's hilarious. It never gets tired, right? Your vocal cords might get tired, but your tongue never gets tired. Our mouths don't get tired. We don't have to like stretch them out before we talk, Right? Before we say something mean to our spouse, we don't have to like stretch them out. Oh, let me get ready for this, right? It's always ready to go. And that's really why it gets us into trouble.